0: Welcome to the podcast, A Girl's Guide to a Fucking Good Life, where we discuss everything from life hacks down to the nitty gritty of what you can do to start living the life you want now. Most of you know me as Rebecca Kelly, owner of the free motivational community, Ladies Living Life Beyond Limits, filled with thousands of motivating and inspiring women. Outside of the group, I run coaching company, Ladies HQ, where I empower women everywhere to live the kick-ass life they deserve through my coaching, events, programs, and courses. Let's get into it. Hello, lovely ladies. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. Have I got an absolutely inspiring as fuck episode for you. I talk to the gorgeous Sarah, who has essentially cured herself of a chronic illness. Her journey is absolutely incredible, and I cannot wait for you guys to get as inspired as me by listening to this episode. Enjoy. Girls, this is going to be such a fucking epic episode because I'm so excited to be chatting to the lovely Sarah Erica about how she cured an incurable fucking chronic illness. Welcome, girl. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I
1: really appreciate you having me on.
0: Yes. Oh, my God. Okay. I'm so ready. Um, Before we get cracking too much into it, we do in every episode a quick warm-up so the girls can get to know you um, before we do a bit of a deep dive. So it's just called This or That. You just pick one or the other. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. Let's do it rain or sunshine sunshine 100 percent. i wasn't sure because obviously we've been chatting and you've just moved recently to israel yeah i'm just here for a visit an
1: extended visit uh came here on a one-way ticket and it's so sunny here i love it
0: yeah i could see the sun sneaking through i didn't know if it was like a thing to to get away from the weather or what no just here visiting some friends okay beautiful um okay shorts or dress Oh, shorts! Definitely shorts. Mm, I felt I felt you were like quite the active gal. Like, do you are you doing activities that require shorts? Yeah, you can't really go hiking in a
1: dress. I mean, you can, but it's just a lot more challenging. And why make it harder on yourself? You know, give me some shorts, give me some hiking shoes. Let me run through nature. I'm golden. Okay, well, this one ties in:
0: relaxing or exploring? Exploring, always exploring. Yeah, I knew when I wrote these, I was like, I can. I always try and guess and. I like, I love it when I'm surprised, but also when it's predictable, even better. What's something you're going to explore while you're there? So I've actually already been to a couple of natural springs. Last night
1: I went with a friend to a natural spring that you have to wade through a tunnel to get to. And the water in the tunnel comes up to your chest and it's ice cold. It's freezing. (laughs) That part was awful, right? But the, the natural spring itself, underground, absolutely stunning. Water was also cold, but it was, it was incredible.
0: That's amazing. This might sound ignorant, but what, like, what's the purpose of a spring? Like, I, I thought that they're hot springs. Are they not hot? So
1: these aren't hot springs. No, these are natural springs. In Hebrew, it's called maayan, and there's a concept in Judaism where um, you actually dunk in a natural spring as a sort of spiritual purification. So after yeah. a person uh, goes through uh, an extremely tough period, um, after there, there's a concept in Judaism where, once a body's prepared for burial, the people taking care of that mm-hmm. body afterwards virtually cleanse themselves in natural springs. Any sort of major event in the world before a woman gets married um, as a sign of spiritual cleansing and purification, she dunks in a natural spring. Uh, men do so before uh, the the Sabbath every week, should they choose. It's just a way to because water holds so much power and water holds yes. so much there's purity within water as a way of spiritual cleansing people dunk inside these springs to cleanse themselves to to represent on a physical level what they're going through on a spiritual level
0: wow I love that you've taught us shit already oh that's great so you were just did you have an intention there when you kind of went through it or was it just to experience it
1: This time it was just to explore, just to see what was going on, but I definitely have plans to go back to other ones and visit other ones and go in with an intention, maybe make a little ceremony for myself out of the experience.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. I absolutely love that. Now, I don't quite know where to start here. I've obviously quizzed you about different things just now, but... Your story is incredible. So maybe you can take us right back to the start of finding out about your chronic illness and what specifically you had. Sure. So sure.
1: it's a little it's it's weird because my diagno- path to diagnosis uh, was a very long one. And it actually started from childhood because I had all these weird symptoms as a child that no one really knew what they were. And I didn't think to make a big deal out of them because I thought they were normal, right? I thought that everyone got got dizzy when they stood up. And I thought that everyone, when they burped, could taste last night's dinner in the morning. And I thought people who were able to eat breakfast were really, really weird because like, how are you still not, how are you not full from last night's dinner, right? So these are just things that I grew up thinking were normal, but they obviously weren't. Um, But because I thought they were normal, I wasn't like, hey, mom, something weird's going on. Take me to the doctor. Let's figure this out. It was just like, oh, this is part of being human. It's a weird part of being human, but it's part of being human. But in 2014, I was 20 years old. I moved to Israel. Um, My intention was to make a life here. And I enlisted in the Israeli army. It's a requirement for citizens to serve. And during my time in the army uh, at 20 years old, I started to get I, the symptoms that i experienced as a kid got a lot worse so i started not being able to hold down food um i had all these tests done i got all these levels checked i at the end my path diagnosis i was diagnosed with over a dozen different conditions so it took about four years to get all the diagnoses which to be honest is pretty fast for a lot of them which says something it's pretty sad i was diagnosed with hashimoto's uh, which is a thyroid thing uh gastroparesis uh global intestinal dysmotility dysautonomia, I was diagnosed with a couple different forms. So postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, neurocardiogenic syncope, orthostatic syncope. Um, I was diagnosed with Raynaud's and uh, different heavy metal toxicities. I was diagnosed with a lot of different things. And my doctors seemed to believe it all stemmed from a genetic connective tissue disorder called Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, which I was diagnosed with. That was the last thing that I was diagnosed with. And by the time that I was diagnosed with that and I started on my healing journey um, outside of allopathic and Western medicine. I was also under the investigation for mitochondrial disease and an immune deficiency as well. I oh. never went through the testing for that because I never felt the need to.
0: Wow, okay, so how old were you when you found most of this out? Most of this out I was around 24. Oh, that's so crazy. So I guess you had a lot of decisions to make. Um, can you talk a little bit about you know what happened after that and your decision-making process?
1: yeah so for me the decisions were really I, I didn't actually think that i had decisions to make during the process i was so caught up in what the doctors are saying i was mm. very much under the impression if the doctor says it it must be true and i remember i was at this one appointment um i had doctors all over the country in the states because i had returned to the states for medical treatment in um, late 2016. i wasn't getting the care that i needed where i was and I remember I was at this doctor's appointment. This was one of the top neurogastroenterologists in the country. So, this is the guy who understands how the gut and the brain communicate with each other. And he was like one of the top ones in the country, right? So, I go to him. He's in Texas. I fly to Texas with my mom. She's taking care of me. I can barely take care of myself. And I remember I was sitting in his office and I had a list of different experimental treatments that I'd found online and different questions that I had for him. I was like, well, what if we try this and could we try that? And all I wanted was my life back. And I remember this doctor, he had to be, in his, he has been in his eighties, right? He looked at me and he told me, you need to wrap your pretty little head around the fact that you're not getting better.
0: Oh, fucking.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> I actually had to give him a lot of credit though, because I got healthy in spite of him. He was my motivator. And it wasn't yeah. like that when I left the appointment, I left the appointment and he was like going on and on about what was going to happen to my body. Right. Um, at that point I had a feeding tube and I was in a wheelchair and he was telling me that the feeding tube would work until my intestines eventually gave out because they would. And then I would have to have a central line going to my heart, which I would get, I would get a TPN or some type of nutrition through that central line. But because I was such a high infection risk that the line, I would get an infection in the line would kill me. And I could expect a very short life. And I'd already been in an oh. organ failure before. So what I was hearing was nothing new. Like I'd been in a kidney failure. And the doctors had told my parents before that they weren't sure if I was going to make it. And I'd been, my entire body at one point had been shutting down. So this was nothing, this was not new information, but just the way of hearing him say that I needed to wrap my pretty little head around the fact that I wasn't getting better. Right. That just, that just broke me. And I remember leaving the appointment with my mom and I was beyond devastated. Like there wasn't a word to describe how I was feeling. My mom looked at me, she goes, what's your problem? Like, mom did you not hear what he just said and she goes sarah when have you ever listened to an authority figure are you really going to take <laughs> the opportunity to start listening to this guy right now i can't listen to me growing up why are you going to listen to this douche right?
0: yes yes
1: <laughs> so i was like oh okay mom you have a point there so that's really when the decision started it was like am i going to decide to listen to this man and to listen to all the doctors that I've been to and to listen to everyone say that you know what this is what life is going to look like with these conditions or am I going to st- decide to do something different am I going to decide to prove everyone wrong and my mm-hmm. dad um he has a saying right and I'm, it's, I'm sure it's a very common one but I grew up hearing this all the time tell me I can't do something I'll do it twice and take pictures
0: yeah yeah so, I've heard that so good
1: yeah so I really, my parents, I, I it wasn't so much me making the decision as much as it was my parents were like, Sarah, come on, you know who you are. Stop messing around here. So oh. I decided that I was going to get healthy out of spite. And then that's what started on my journey. That's what started me on my journey. And it ended up not being out of spite. It ended up being out of self-love. That's how I healed. The method that I chose for my healing was an extended juice fast. Um, I had been seeing a genetic, I had, and seeing a geneticist for the connective tissue disorder that I'd been diagnosed with. And she was also into, well, she was an allopathic doctor. She was also into natural medicine. And she recommended that I look into the Garrison therapy, which is a protocol typically used for cancer patients. So it's a lot of enemas, I think yeah. it's like 13 coffee enemas a day and a bunch of juices and soups and a special diet. And um, I, the diet I couldn't do. I wasn't tolerating solid food for like six years at that point. Um, there were some times where I couldn't even hold down my own stomach bile. So diet, solid foods, were not in the question. We're not in the picture. Um, the soup, I was absolutely disgusted by it. I could not choke it down. But the juices, I loved the juices. The juices were fantastic. So I started looking up juicing just to like see if people were doing juicing and what, what the deal was. And I found an account on Instagram of this guy who had Crohn's disease and he did a 90 day juice fast to heal himself. And I was like, oh, that's cool. If he healed his Crohn's disease in 90 days, I wonder what I could do in 100. So... Yeah. I decided to see what I could do. And I just, on November 15th, 2019, I started my juice fast. And the plan was to go for a hundred days and it was gonna end on February 23rd, 2020, which was, would have been my birthday. And it was like perfect timing. It was like, yes, okay, I'm gonna do this. And then I get close to the 100, end of the hundred days and I was like, I'm not done. So I ended up doing a full year. Uh, it was a little leap year. So it was 366 days of just juice, homemade juice, mostly fruit juices. And that year was the most impactful, most difficult, most spiritual, and life affirming year of my entire life. Everything that I'd ever hoped for myself, I experienced during that year. And if I didn't experience it specifically during that year, it it laid the foundation for me to experience it now. Anything before I got sick, before... All this happened for me because i don't believe that life happens to me i believe that life happens for me and i i truly believe that getting sick was the best thing that ever happened for me and before that i was such a different person um i was very very angry at the world and at life and there was a lot of trauma that i experienced that i never really healed and it was during that year that when i wasn't i didn't have the ability to use food as a coping mechanism anymore I hadn't had the ability for years, but I was also forced to confront things that I'd never let myself confront before. And doing all of that inner work is really what allowed my body to heal. Because I truly believe the body is the subconscious mind. And when we go into that subconscious mind and we heal, and we truly allow ourselves to dig deep and to get back to our true essence, where all of us, that's that's love, that's all we are. We're just, we're love. And when we get back to that core, and when we allow ourselves to, to become who we are meant to be, step out of all that we are not to become who all that we are, that's when healing happens.
0: Thank you so much for sharing your story about your amazing juice fast. I, I mean, I have lots of follow-up questions. <laughs> yeah. um, so, okay, juice fast. Can you tell us what was it like from the beginning having juice every single day? Let's start there.
1: Honestly, it was so easy in the sense that
0: doing that, I didn't have to
1: think right? For so long, for so many years, I wasn't able to eat solid food. And there were some days where I couldn't even hold down my own stomach bile. Um, there were days when I would throw up a lollipop, right? Just sucking on a lollipop, I would throw that up So having something mm-hmm. where I didn't have to think, and it was just, okay, this is what I'm going to make this day. And I'm going to get down as, as much of this as I can. And that's it was the easiest thing. In the, it was the best thing, honestly, for my brain, because I didn't have to spend that yes. time and effort stressing about food or stressing about how I'm going to get nutrition in, because it was just, this is the, this is the, the, um, the window that I'm in and I'm going to do what I can within this window. And I saw a lot of people think that fasting can be restrictive and it can be for some people, but also if you have those, if you set those boundaries for yourself, it's also, it can also be very, very freeing. And that's what I experienced a lot of freedom.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you're having, you know, juice every single day. How many juices are you having?
1: When I started, I could get down um, 32 ounces in a day. So about a liter at the very beginning. And that was like pushing it. I couldn't even hold that down uh, a lot of the time. But the more I did it and the more I just like, you know what? I, I just kept having faith, you know, just kept trying each day. And by the end, I was drinking at least a gallon a day.
0: Okay, awesome. So did you start to tell the people that were working on your treatment and the doctors and the medical professionals about what you were doing?
1: Yes. And you know, it's interesting. I had a doctor in Atlanta, a gastroenterologist in Atlanta and bless this man, right? He set me up with so many other great doctors. I had gotten to the point where he could no longer effectively manage my care because that's all he was doing. It was, it was management and it wasn't about trying to find and figure things out. It was just, let's keep you as stable as we can. So when I told him I'm throwing something new in the mix, he's like, uh, mm, no, you're not. So I was like, mm, 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 yes, I am. And by the way, I'm not going to be a patient anymore. Bye. So I didn't necessarily get the greatest response from a lot of doctors, but I will tell you, I had a, I have a cardiologist. I'm not his patient anymore, but I still keep in touch with him. And I had, it, I saw him every few months. Um, and we got to a point with my medication and my, my routine where I was able to go six months in between visits and just follow up with video and things like that as needed in between appointments. So he saw me. Um, at around nine months into my juice fast, last time we had an appointment together and he looked at me, um, and I walked into his office, I walked into his office, right. I didn't have a wheelchair. I didn't have a rollator. I didn't have my feeding tube anymore. And he looked at me and goes, what are you doing? I need to know so I can share this with my other patients. So I'm actually still in touch with him. And, um, he's had a couple, he's asked me if he could have people reach out to me just to like talk to them, to share my story a little bit. And I've done that. So it's been really incredible uh, to see that not everyone, not every doctor is stuck in allopathy, that there are doctors who really just want their patients to heal no matter what that looks like and no matter how it happens. That was really, that was really affirming for me.
0: That is so beautiful. That is, yeah, just incredible. I've got a question about the U.S. health scheme thing because over over here in australia and you know it's a personal question but we're already talking about personal shit let's do it um over here in australia a lot of it is covered by something we call medicare um you can have private health as well but you know all these tv shows and stuff that we watch you hear how fucked up the american kind of health system is unless you've got benefits or unless you've got health cover so did you were you paying for all of this or what happened so in America
1: um, you can be on your parents health insurance until the age of 26 so I was on my parents health insurance my parents typically you get health insurance through your job and uh, my dad's job had really great health insurance so I was under his coverage but I still had to pay a butt ton for things like I was getting a weekly uh, no I was doing daily saline infusions And every two weeks until I reached my maximum deductible, I was paying two grand for these infusions. So it wasn't cheap. Being sick was not cheap at all. So the cost of like, and a lot of people ask me, like, how do you, how did you juice for a year? It's so expensive to do that. First of all, it doesn't have to be, but also getting, being sick is a lot more expensive than getting healthy is.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and that's what, that's what I try and also chat to people about. It's like, let's work on your health now. And spend the Mm -hmm. money now so that you don't have to spend it trying to recover and get better if you're not looking after yourself.
1: Yes, 100%. 100%. Invest in yourself now. Do as much as you can now. And take care of yourself now because not only to save the money, but because you deserve it. If you think about all the billions of things that had to align perfectly for each one of us to be here, right? It's insane. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. There are no coincidences in this world. It just statistically it doesn't make sense that anything is a coincidence just by the billions of events that had to line up exactly perfectly for any of this to happen. And when you think about it like that, it's like, well, hold on. That's a lot of effort to bring me to this planet, right? So if that's mm-hmm. if all that effort had to go into bringing me here, then there has to be a reason for it. And would it make sense for that reason for me to be here is to suffer? No, absolutely not. That is the
0: shit that I absolutely love because there's, there's no accidents. It's no. all- It's all decided. It's all happening. Like the chances are that we're here and that we're born and all the fun stuff is just insane. So thank you for touching on that. I do want to talk a little bit about how this impacted your mental health. So obviously, you know, you received your diagnosis, then you tried a couple of treatments, jumped on board with the juice fast. How did this work in with your mental health? And let's talk about where you're at with everything now. So while I was going through it all, it was really, really difficult. I remember in 2018,
1: I was um, inpatient in a hospital for six days being fed through my veins because my body was an organ failure. And mm. I was alone in a hospital room for six days. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, this is this. If this is what my life is going to look like, I don't want it. I would sometimes yeah. pray at night that I wouldn't wake up in the morning. And when I did wake up in the morning, I would bawl. I would sob my eyes out because Why? why am I here? Like it, it was just such a difficult time, um, mentally and emotionally. And I felt so alone too. Right. When I, before I was diagnosed, I was like the life of the party with all my friends. I was like, yeah, let's go out. Let's do this. I was, I was the yes girl, right. If someone invited me somewhere, I, I didn't have to know what the fun was, or it was just, I was the fun one. I was like the life of the party. I brought that energy. Mm-hmm. And then when I couldn't be that anymore, I lost a lot of friends because I wasn't in that predetermined role. I was, I didn't fit into that box anymore. And it was so lonely and it was so terrifying and so scary. I was navigating this also when I first got got diagnosed, I was living in Israel. Still, I didn't grow up speaking the language, right? I didn't have immediate family here. I felt so alone and it was honestly a really, really difficult period, but I truly believe that the difficult periods are what catapult us forward and that the year long juice fast It was also really, really difficult because I was forced to confront things head on that I'd never allowed myself to confront before. I had a lot of uh, childhood trauma. I was in an abusive relationship. There was a lot of things that I really believe that those were actually my body was actually manifesting the emotional state that I was in in its physical form. So everything that I experienced physically was a direct manifestation of everything that I was not able to heal. I didn't have the tools to heal that things that I couldn't deal with. And being forced to confront those things during that year-long juice fast was very, very difficult, but also it was ultimately the most empowering thing that I've ever done, right? So now I'm at a complete 180 in my life. I used to be the angriest person that I knew. I was so mean-spirited and so hate-filled and it would seep out to other people. Like there were times in my life where I would walk into a room and my brothers would walk out of it. Like it was that bad. People just didn't want to be around me and I didn't want to be around me. I didn't blame them, right? Yeah. So understood. And I there was a long period of time where I hated myself, like truly, genuinely hated myself. And I did things that, ma- that matched that energy. And I mm. allowed things into my world that matched that energy because I didn't think I deserved any better. But after being forced to deal with what I had to deal with emotionally in order to heal my physical body, it's like I shed all these layers of who I was not to fully step into who I am. I unbecame me if that makes sense. That's where I'm at now. It's just, I see the world, like everything is a miracle, everything. I'm so far on the opposite end of the spectrum from where I was. It's insane. Like I I was talking with a friend the other day who I hadn't seen in years. I came back to Israel and I I was visiting with him and I was like, I'm going to sound really annoying right now, but I just have to tell you, I am in love with life because yeah, you are really annoying, but like, that's, that's just where I'm at.
0: Don't worry, people get annoyed about my positivity and like loving things and everything being a miracle and everything being incredible as well. So I'm like, you're going to annoy it even more because I'm not going to stop.
1: Yes, (laughs) we need more of that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and that's why I was just like, yes, we need to talk to you. So I guess if you could share one message or like a key learning out of this whole experience especially for those ladies who might have a chronic illness or something that's restricting them like you had, and and yours was obviously on the larger scale, what would you say to them?
1: Just one thing, healing happens. It, It may not look the way that you expect it to look and it may not come in the form that you expect it to come into, but healing happens. And that healing is always within you. What I did is not special. It's not unique, right? The only thing unique about it is the fact that I did it but we all have the ability to heal. That's, what, that's innate within us, right? We're, we are made of the same things that make up the stars in the sky. We can do literally anything. There are no limitations, just the ones that we put on ourselves. So when you're ready and when you decide to, to take that chance on yourself, beautiful, amazing, incredible things will happen and you will heal.
0: I'm glad that you could sum that up in just one thing. You did amazing healing happens there you go so if the girls want to stalk you which i'm sure they will and find out more about you and what you do where can they find you
1: i am on instagram as um at sarah weisler and that's w-a-i-s-l-e-r and that's sarah with an h also and i'm on facebook at sarah dash the mind body magic
0: the mind body magic that is so cool thank you that was so, so insightful. Thank you so much for taking the time to come and have a chat with me and just being brave enough to share your story. Um, what's next for you? Oh, man. Um, first of all,
1: thank you I for all those it. beautiful compliments. I'm so <laughs> honored to be here to speak with you. This has just been such an amazing conversation. So thank you. Um, right now, I am actually working on a children's book. Yeah, I want kids to know how incredible that they are. I want I want us I want this to be the new norm, right? I want us to wake up in the morning recognizing our power and our magic, and that it's all already within within us. And I think starting with kids is the best way to go about it. So I'm working on a children's book. I'm working on a book with my story and how I healed. to Put that out there to to more people. Um, I'm starting to speak on more podcasts and I'm looking into speaking opportunities, um, speaking gigs in front of larger audiences. And I'm also working on a coaching program to help women heal what's going on in their physical body by addressing what's going on in their emotional body and getting them to really learn to love and trust their bodies again and to find that magic within themselves because everyone is their own healer and everyone is magic and there are no limitations and I just want everyone to see themselves the way that I see them this wa- this this walking miracle this ball of limitless potential and this just this icon of love
0: and your your transformation is is going to inspire so many people. So thank you so much. I can't wait to follow your journey and see everything that's good to come for you. So thank you again. Thank you. Really, truly thank you. That brings us to the end of this episode. You can find anything we mentioned in the show notes below or for more details and a full transcript, you can visit www.ladieshq.com.au slash podcast. And don't forget to drop into our amazing Facebook community, Ladies Living Life Beyond Limits. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time.